Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Well, there was a big announcement today regarding Chicago Public Schools. We began to inform our families and staff across Chicago Public Schools that we will begin the new school year learning at home and continue learning remotely for the first quarter, which ends on November 6th. We will be building on the lessons we learned from the launch of remote learning this spring to create a more sustainable model. That's CPS CEO Janice Jackson and Mayor Lori Lightfoot after a lot of back and forth about hybrid learning. CPS will be all remote learning when school starts in September. There are a lot of questions about what that will look like. Education reporter Sarah Karp is here to help us unpack this info. Sarah, what changed? According to Lightfoot and Janice Jackson and Allison Arwitty, who's the commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health, the science is showing that the data is showing that numbers of confirmed COVID cases are increasing And so because they've been going up for the last couple of weeks, they feel like the chances are that, you know, we we could be at 400, which is the benchmark they sent for whether we'd be all remote or all or go Mm -hmm. to do some hybrid learning. And what Arwitty said was that, you know, we're a school district, we're a big school district, and they decided they couldn't make the call as they had originally said, which about a week or two before school started, that they needed a month to plan And because the trend looks like it's going that way, that they decided to be all remote. Now, you know, there was a bunch of drama with with the Chicago Teachers Union Mm -hmm. yesterday. And they, you know, the the teachers union saying that if CPS did not decide to go all remote, they could take a strike vote as early as next week. But Lightfoot said that had nothing to do with her decision to make the call right now. Right. And the other uh, interesting note, and we talked about this earlier this week, was just that, you know, there was parental feedback. There were a lot of parents with a lot of concerns, and it sounds like they heard overwhelmingly that parents wanted to go one way. Not so much overwhelmingly, but but what they did hear was that there was large portions of parents that were thinking that they were going to keep their kids home regardless of what CPS decided and do remote learning. So... You know, that that was a factor that weighed in. And actually, this is just a hypothesis or a thought that I think actually Chicago Public Schools officials might have been a little surprised at how many people said that they were going to keep their kids home and that that did, you know, cause them to to rethink their plans. And I do I do think parents are sort of caught between this really difficult position even right now. I mean, in, in just the last couple of hours my um like dm on twitter and facebook has <laughs> been sort of blowing up with parents saying help now what do i do with my what children? do i do right so this is you know it's it's certainly not easy and it's certainly not a uniform opinion and you know i i do think that that's going to be the the big next question that the city um needs to sort of step in and say okay if you can't stay home what should you do with your child to make sure that not only they have some care, you know, they have somebody with them, but also that they're getting their work done because, you know, you don't want to just send your kid to the to a child care center where they play all day. Yeah. And, and this is a complicated question. It's one that obviously plays out here in Chicago in in several different ways. There's going to be the there's going to be the concern, as you just mentioned, about how do you actually deal with child care or monitoring your children when you have to work, when you have to go physically into work. 
Uh, there's also the question of what remote learning looks like and, and addressing the digital divide. There, there are going to be a lot of as many questions were on the other side when they were trying to bring kids back in this hybrid form. There are going to be as many questions on the other side as well. Right. I mean, just today, Janice Jackson made it very clear that they want teachers to do live instruction every day, all day, basically for, you know, they didn't set a number of hours yet, but for several hours, she made it seem and that principals are going to hold teachers accountable for doing this. Now, that's a big question, because does that really mean that you have to have a five-year-old or a six-year-old sitting in front of a computer for five, six hours a day? I mean, I don't know if we really want this. So I don't I don't know exactly what she was meaning. You know, live instruction could be many things. But but if your five or six year old isn't sitting in front of the computer, who's monitoring what they're doing? Is there just sort of like a wait and see approach to what happens after the fall? Are they going to get concrete about that at a later time? Or I mean, are they just really just talking about the short term foreseeable future? So they said that they're going to do it till at least November 8th, which is the end of the first quarter. After that, they want to move into this hybrid plan. Now, I'm sure that's going to be dictated by whether the new cases are declining or still increasing, you know, whether they feel like they have some control over community spread. But one thing that they did do that's a little different than, than let's say, um, Los Angeles, which has also announced all remote learning, is that they did give like a date certain. So you can be sure it's going to be all the way through November 8th, whereas Los Angeles said, you know, we want to bring them back as soon as possible. Right. So, and that's a little more up in the year. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, let's go to Ann, who's standing by in Hyde Park. Ann, welcome to Reset. My question actually relates to the, the last piece about returning in November is in all these news conferences and talking about the schools and all the back and forth, I was in my daughter's school in July dropping off a birth certificate and the school looked as if everything had just been dropped in March and it was all in disarray. Mm. So I'm wondering, while we have all these weeks of remote learning and all these resources are being put toward remote learning, where are the resources for the buildings if we're actually going to reopen, like markers for six feet apart, lines for the dead? Yeah, the infrastructure improvements. And thank you for that call, Sarah. You know, this is the thing. Right now, the Chicago Public Schools has yet to release their budget for next year. And when they do release their budget, which has to be in the next week or two, they're going to have to talk about their capital budget. And I am going to be looking to see whether they're going to be spending some capital money on things like air purifiers or, you know, other things that might make buildings more safe. Because, yes, it is true that that we're going to remote learning in the fall, but eventually we're going to need some of these things in place. So I, I think that will be a big question. You know, what, what can they do in the meantime to make buildings safer? Because a lot of teachers who were very much against going back to in-person learning were saying that the reason why they were so nervous about it is that they didn't feel like there'd been any infrastructure right. put in place to keep kids safe. So I, I think that's a question that the, the public school system and the mayor have to answer. Speaking of teachers, let's bring in the president of the Chicago Teachers Union, Jesse Sharkey. Jesse, welcome back to Reset. Hey, thanks for having me on. And hey, Sarah, good, uh, good hey. reporting work. Uh, Jesse, what's your, what's your reaction to the press conference and the news this morning? Uh, we're glad the mayor's walked away from the plan to force students back into schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've been looking and talking about uh, the numbers going in the wrong direction for a couple weeks now, a few weeks. And uh, one of the problems with not only just the health risks, but also all the time that we spent um, denying the picture 
um, that everyone else could apparently see uh, was time that took away from our ability to make remote learning more planful and more enriching for every CPS student. You're in that position now where the, the transition starts and, and, and teachers will be, uh, as, we, as we heard from the mayor and from Janice Jackson, the CEO, saying there will be accountability from the principal. Teachers may be, and we, we don't really know what the time lengths are, uh, you know, be teaching hours on end when it comes to the remote learning. How do you get your teachers ready for that? And how do you uh, negotiate with the city to make sure that that's all on the up and up? Well, I think we expect to uh, work hard and to do the planning work and the things that teachers often do in the summer to be ready when when school starts. This year, it's going to be remote. Um, where it's going to mean that people are going to have to go back and examine their practice, uh, probably get new equipment in their homes, um, you know, and do all the stuff that we have to do to be ready for that. I do think there's a number of real equity issues for uh, students and families. You know, we have to figure out how to make sure we get devices. Probably there should be a voluntary program for some house visits. Uh, you know, go and do a social distance visit on um, stand on people's stoops to make sure they have the right equipment. Um, you know, there, there's really we need to make sure, especially in the parts of the city where, the, where COVID has hit the hardest, um, where there's some there's some real equity uh, and collaboration with the students, the families, and the people who have to do the work in the schools. There's there's so much made of uh, you know of balancing, and, and and this is a complicated issue. But as we swing to a remote only learning environment. What at the teachers union? You think about people who who may not have childcare, who may have uh, essential work, and have to go into a physical space and leave kids behind. What does the teachers union say about about the the fact that 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 part of it uh, is still a big pressing issue for many Chicagoans? Yeah, totally. It, it, it's an important point. I, I mean, one of the things that we've said is that obviously remote learning is a pale substitute for in-person learning. There's a lot of services that get delivered to the school, and I know at the mayor's press conference today they talked about delivering meals, but that's only part of it because you know there are um, either therapeutic and clinical services that get delivered to students. Uh, you know, there's obviously in-person learning has a whole number of benefits. Um, so you know, when the science supports it, you know, we're in favor of. Uh, resumption of in-person school. But the other thing to say is that we've got depression era unemployment rates and, you know, skyrocketing levels of violence in the city. And we just think that the, the mayor's policies need to address um, the needs of, of communities. I know the Congress is stalled right now on things like basic income support, you know, support for people who are facing eviction, uh, a broader set of, you know, common good issues. Um, our union's been pretty active in trying to advocate for those things because we recognize that you don't have public schools without communities of parents, and right now a lot of working-class people in the city are suffering. Jesse, yesterday uh, you guys mentioned that uh, you would take a strike vote if you had to, um, essentially to to push back on any sort of in-person in hybrid plan. Now that Now that we've moved to remote only, are you optimistic that you and the mayor and the CPS and everyone can come back together at the table and do this in a more organic way for, for the parents and the kids here in Chicago that, that we're not having the fights after a plan is announced, that you're actually getting together before it's announced. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, I, when I was thinking back, you know, yesterday, you know, after the news broke that CPS wasn't back going remote, there was a flood of emotion and I felt like crying. And then I realized that, you know, I had spent the last four weeks battling over something which, you know, I, I – 
should have been accomplished, you know, by us listening to each other and, uh, you, you know, looking at looking at the facts as they were coming in. Uh, and that would have been extra time that we, we could have spent planning for remote learning. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to do now. I, you know, I think we're going to continue talking at the table, and we hope that teachers' voices, because teachers are ultimately the ones that have to make remote learning really work, it's going to be effective. Yeah. And and it will be better uh, than, than the spring. We're going to come into it more prepared. Uh, with more devices in a more planful way, and, um, you know, I think that's our challenge. Chicago Teachers Union President Jesse Sharkey. Jesse, thanks for making time today. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Let's go to Maria, who's standing by in Lincoln Square. Maria, welcome to Reset. My question is, are teachers will be physically present in the school classrooms and do their lessons live? So our kids who are at home can interact with them and can answer have a question directly answered, and that's how kids can have semi-interactions mm-hmm. among themselves. My next question is, I'm an essential worker. I'm an immigrant. My English is not a first language. Who is going to help with my kids to get the yeah. high-quality education while I'm providing my public service to the public? That's a great question, Maria. Thank you for your call. Maria just nailed it. I mean, how do you, how do you give that extra support uh, and and that that care and attention that 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 a lot of our students need in this new environment, right? And by the way, in some senses, now teachers are essential workers because CPS officials did say that they want teachers to do more live instruction, and that means that they could be in their school or they could be at home, but they should be doing live instruction and interacting with kids, which is, I think, something that was lacking a bit in the spring Mm -hmm. and that the parents want now. But it also means that the teacher who's got three kids of her own at home um, can't be sitting there, you know, making sure that they're staying on task at the same time. I mean, we can't expect, you know, we can't expect that person to be shuffling everything. So I I do think there's going to have to be some, some infrastructure put in for people who just can't, you know, devote the time because they have to be at work. Now, actually, somebody asked me, and I, I don't know this answer, but they would like to see a, an evening school option for some kids yeah. because, you know, maybe that's when parents can actually sit with their kids. Wow. And maybe they want to leave their, their children with their parents during the day or, or something like that. And they don't want to tell their parents that now you have to, not only do you have to take care of my kid all day, but you have to do school all day. And so then, you know, could could they shift to the evening? I don't know the answer to that question. It seems like that would be a little difficult. But Yeah, but it's but all ideas on the table at this point because we right. are in an unprecedented era. I mean, it's something to consider. I, as a parent myself, just hearing that, I perk up saying maybe that's a better time because a lot of times you're in school so parents could go to work. And if that's right. not necessarily the way it is right now in 2020, then maybe we rethink the whole thing. I mean, if you think about high schoolers, they probably don't wake up. To, I mean, if they're at home, making them wake up by noon is probably a difficult <laughs> thing. And if their parent isn't home to force them to get up, that's a difficult thing. So I, I feel like even for like high schoolers, even though they might not need the handholding that little kids need, they do need somebody to, you know, tell them like. Yeah, structure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, WBZ education reporter Sarah Carp is with us. We're continuing the conversation Maria from from Lincoln Square made another point I thought about in the break was just about teachers are obviously are they going to have to go to the classroom 
and and pretend like they're doing um, school with everybody in the classroom, or are they going to be able to work from home? So today, Janice Jackson said that teachers can come to the classroom if they want to. So it sounds like that's an optional thing. Mm. That's an interesting idea, just thinking about that uh, <laughs> over uh, the idea of coming into work. But that, that is something that, that might add some structure to it. Mm-hmm, for yeah. sure. And and also, you know, one thing that teachers complained about is not having all the equipment that they needed in the springs, you know, to do live mm-hmm. instruction. Mm-hmm. So and even some of them, you know, their 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 Internet wasn't so great at home. And so, you know, if if your Internet's not so great, then that that affects your your students. Now, I, I don't know if all schools have great Internet either, but at least there's a better chance, perhaps, perhaps. Um, as we look at those questions, the questions of the easy questions about Wi-Fi, and we start talking about putting kids online and on video chats and, and other things for six to eight hours a day, if that's even possible, I, I would just assume that even someone who is uh, high-speed internet and paying the gold standard is going to have trouble with that. I mean, is, are they thinking about that at all? The idea of of doing this kind of remote learning and the stress that it puts on the households, not just people who we talk always about the digital divide. But just this idea that uh, this is not how any of this infrastructure was supposed to play out. Right. I mean, that's that's something that I heard a lot from teachers this spring was that, you know, the kid would be on one second and then would be off. And I mean, even you and I, we've been on Zoom calls, I'm sure, where, you know, suddenly the the person slows down and then they're gone for a few minutes and then they come back. And all those are complications that that I'm sure people are thinking about. I mean. I do think that these issues of how to get kids really being able to be engaged consistently through remote learning and how difficult it is, is the reason why Janice Jackson and Chicago Public Schools administrators really wanted to do hybrid learning. I mean, just like Jesse Sharkey said, in-person learning is by far better than remote right. learning. And I just don't think that some of these barriers are going to be overcome. And, you know, that's, I guess that's just something that, that, that we're going to have to live with. Yeah. So I know a lot of parents are facing two worries, really, if you think about it, their family's health and the realities of, of childcare and, and remote learning. And I want to play a clip from Mayor Lightfoot, who earlier this morning addressed that. No one should have to choose between work and whether their child will have the resources that they need to thrive. And we will make sure that that is not a choice that has to happen. Yeah. Okay. Now, no, no saying that, that they're going to make sure that that's a choice they don't have to happen. But as we even talk and, and people call in, it is a choice. <laughs> it's going to be something that's not ideal. That's where we're at with COVID-19 and 2020. But there will be a choice. So what does she mean by the fact that that's something that she's going to make sure that that doesn't happen? So she did say that they're working with community groups to come up with some plan. Um, there also could be, there was a suggestion during the press conference that maybe schools could be open for some kids with the principal. They're sort of monitoring them doing remote learning. Um, maybe that could be on the table. I think that, that what the school district right now has said is, in the city is that, you know, they're exploring options, mm. but they're going to have to come up with something pretty quickly. You know, it's, it's gotta be, gotta be soon. I mean, this is only a couple of weeks before school starts and people need to know what they're going to be doing. I also do think that parents will become creative, you know, 
you you've already heard about a lot mm-hmm. of parents talking about these like homeschool pods. Yeah, right. Well, you know, will people get together and say, okay, I can be home on Monday monitoring schoolwork for my child and five of his of his friends, and Tuesday they're all going to go here, and Wednesday they're all going to go here, and Thursday, and I I think that you know that will happen. Maybe some people who have money will hire tutors to monitor that work. I hope that, that, that everybody uses their creative juices in this thing because, you know, maybe you could get some ki- people who are, you know, recent college graduates who can't find work to work through community organizations to form those type of pods for, you know, people who don't have money, you know, who are lower income. Um, but that's just my idea. I no, don't know what's funding it right I now. Know but all, <laughs> but it's, it's not just that. It's also parents and it's his students and teachers, everyone having to rethink what they did in the spring to be emergency to right, what is right. the actual new normal, new reality. And it, it makes me, I mean, even in my household, I ordered a desk. You know, I, right. I think from Ikea, but the idea being that we're going to restructure the way that my son you know, did his schooling. Before it was maybe sitting at the kitchen table, but now we recognize this is much more long-term. And he has to have a space. So that's the thing I think everybody's going to have to start thinking differently about their households, uh, their their routines, their habits, all that kind of stuff. Let's bring in a teacher. Let's bring in Ray Salazar, who is a teacher at Hancock College Prep. Uh, and, Ray, it's always great to have you on the program and, and back on WBEZ because we worked together a long time ago. But, Ray, uh, your thoughts as a teacher to the decision this morning by CPS? Yeah, thanks for having me on, uh, Reset and Justin. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's the right decision for uh, students and for staff and for families. You know, the data is clear. Um, Dr. Irwadi completely uh, communicated that today, and, and this is really the best decision that's going to help our city move forward uh, and, and, and overcome this, hopefully. And, you know, I'm hoping that this is a short-term plan and that, you know, by November or by early next year, we'll be back to the new normal. Yeah, and Sarah and I were just talking about this, about teachers having to prepare differently than they did in the spring. How are you preparing to to do remote-only learning uh, at Hancock? Because uh, you, you teach high school students. Yeah, I teach high school. And, you know, I, I think that the one uh, misconception I want to address is that people think that, oh, well, teachers have it easy, you know, and, and no, remote learning is, is not easy. And it's and, and working this way, teaching this way is not easier. I think the questions I'm focusing on right now, a month before school starts, is really what matters the most in terms of learning. I'm looking at my curriculum plans and figuring out what do I need to pull out? What do we focus on? And then how do I engage students in, in meaningful ways? Because students deserve a high quality learning experience. And as teachers, we have to fulfill that commitment. Yeah. I just, I wonder, I mean, do you have to rethink, because you know it was an emergency situation in March and April, uh, in the May, yeah. and, and CPS all the way into June. But the, the idea, do you rethink what you did then to what you're going to do coming up here in September? Oh, completely, completely. And, you know, and, and in casual settings, I've been getting together with my teacher friends, and we've been talking about things to do differently. Look, March, it, it, was, it was a mess. You know, we, we, schools closed, and we were going to be out for two weeks, and we gave students assignments. And, you know, my students looked at me like, yeah, Salazar, sure, yeah, we'll do these assignments, <laughs> <laughs> knowing that, yeah, they were not going to do it. I knew that. Uh, and then all of a sudden, April comes in, and we're like, whoa, this is for real now. We had no training, no idea about how to do this, and we were just thrown into this. So we did the best that we could, um, and, and we learned a lot. I think a lot of the teachers are really spending time figuring out how to use all types of Google extensions, how to recreate uh, learning experiences. You know, in my class, even though it's English class, we do a lot of cutting, a lot of gluing, a lot of 
reorganizing of, of information, I need to figure out a way to, to, to redo that and, and how to um, work with it. One of the things that I really liked is that uh, Dr. Jackson talked about small groups, and I think that's really key. I, I think teachers need to move away from the idea of looking at 30 students on their screen at one time right. and, and really figuring out how can we use small groups more effectively and, and really rethink what learning looks like. Ray, when you're, when you're teaching kids at the, the 11th and 12th grade, and, and they're having to go through this, and, and you're going to have to, you know, usher in a whole new, unprecedented way of learning. What, what do you get from them? What's the reaction from, from the students uh, who uh, are in your classroom or, or virtual classroom at this point? I have to give credit to, to my students from, from last year who they just went with it, you know, and they did the best that they could. They worked hard. And, you know, I tell people that some of the writing that I saw from my students during that uh, the, the spring pandemic uh, when we were out of school was much better than the writing that I saw when we were in school. Mm. I think I think it comes down to students finally had to trust themselves, and I wasn't there to look over every paragraph that they wrote, and so they just had to do it, and so I, it built their confidence that way. You know, I give it up to students who are dealing with you know all kinds of complex family issues, and you know the other thing is that people are so surprised by the challenges that, that students face with you know low income situations or insecure housing, and you know I'm looking at this and saying these are issues that low income black and brown families have been facing in our city for generations. Like our families learn how to deal with this and push through. And I think some of the most impressive success stories are from students who are facing difficult circumstances because they find ways because of the value system that's at home to persevere. Now, you know, I also want to say that with that, that doesn't mean that we should just step back and let things happen. We need to make sure that we go out of our way for students facing difficult circumstances. Ray Salazar, a teacher at Hancock College Prep on the southwest side. Ray, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Uh, Sarah Karp with us as well, WBZ education reporter. I want to bring in Natalie Espana. She's an incoming senior at Lane Tech High School in Lakeview. Uh, Natalie, thanks so much for joining us. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, Natalie, how, how do you, what's your reaction to the, the decision this morning to make it remote only for the fall? I was so relieved. Because as of things are right now, I see that the cases are rising. Mm-hmm. And Lane Tech is a very big school, very, very big. And it worried me because imagine over a thousand students cramped into one hallway. Yeah, that right, right. would be dangerous for the students who have underlying health issues that cannot afford to get sick because it will cost them their lives. And I know people who have contracted COVID, and um, it, it's not pretty. Yeah. It's not fun to have. And I've seen how it can deteriorate a person, both mentally and physically. And I, I don't. I do not wish that upon anyone. Obviously, for the the, the health concerns are, are front of mind for you, as someone who, uh, as a junior, uh, was able to do the remote learning in in the spring. Are you excited about doing remote learning again? What was good about it and what was bad about it? I'm curious as to how things are going to be different because as the previous teacher said, March was a mess. April, May was an even bigger mess, especially with AP exams. And I took four. (laughs) And I want to know how things are going to be more productive because I feel like the previous teacher also said, like, we weren't taking it seriously in March because we're like, oh, it's just two weeks. You know, we're going to be back to school. Everything's going to be back to normal. But it's August, and things have not changed. I would like to see 
teachers actually giving presentations and lectures, you know, with like the board and like um, actual presentations, prezies, to act to teach kids, you know, through online because I feel like that would be most productive, especially for AP courses because we're the ones that need to really cram up before uh, before May. Mm-hmm. Natalie, uh, as as you think about going into your senior year, this isn't what you thought it was going to be. There's a lot of <laughs> things that uh, that go with being a senior in high school. Are you just kind of taking it in stride? I really just got to go with the flow on this one. <laughs> There's a lot of things I was looking forward to my senior year. I was looking forward to go back to my club and to actually, you know, put things into action that we were planning junior year that did not happen because of the pandemic. You know, um, I was looking forward to prom. I don't know if I'm going to have one. Uh, you know, homecoming, you know, the pep rallies, you know, saying goodbye and hanging out with friends for the last year, you know, having lunch with your friends, you know, hanging out around school. Like, I'm going to miss that. And I hope I get to go back in spring. But the way things are going, I I don't see that happening. Well, we're optimistic. Natalie Espana, incoming senior at Lane Tech High School. Uh, Natalie, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. No problem. Uh, Sarah Karp, who's with us. I mean, when you hear Natalie and you hear uh, Ray talk about these, I mean, you recognize how complicated all of this is. And again, there's no there's no right answer. It's just the, the way that we kind of, I guess, follow Natalie's advice and go with the flow. Right. I think that's I think that's what we're all learning to have to do, to let go and go with the flow. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Sarah Karp, WBEZ's education reporter, uh, thanks so much for joining us today on this. Uh, I mean, what a what a day for uh, Chicago Public Schools as they go remote only for the fall. The decision made this morning, uh, at, late last night, but uh, the players were on stage today this morning. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that's today's Reset. Want more great conversations like this? Subscribe to the podcast or tell your smart speaker to play WBEZ's Reset. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you right back here tomorrow. If you need a break from the news, WBEZ's Nerd App podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club. Listen to Nerd App wherever you get your podcasts.